0: Michelle, what an amazing journey we have been on together with this Love Capades podcast. And here we've arrived at our bonus episode. Today we're going to share the best Love Capades quotes, your actual favorite Love Capades, Michelle, and a few wish you could do over moments as well. And then we have an exciting surprise to share with you at the end. So stay with us to find out what that is.
1: You're so right, Sally. This has been a joy ride for sure. I've loved bringing my memoir, Love Capades, to life in this exciting new medium. When the youngest son of my best friend, Adam newport Barra, suggested the idea, I'd never even listened to a podcast. And now I am a huge fan. And to add a little postscript, being able to create this during the pandemic has been so exhilarating and fun. I'm really grateful for it all.
0: Okay, so let's start with the best love campaign's quotes.
1: Okay, so we have a little bit of a list here. I'm just going to read them to you. And some of them we might linger on a bit. Number one, one can never get enough quality kissing. (laughs) As you all know, I'm a big kissing fan. Number two, Ingrid Bergman once said, a kiss is a lovely trick designed by nature to stop speech when words become superfluous. (laughs) Number three, a woman gets to choose her man, but only from those who choose her.
0: Michelle, Michelle, wait a minute on that one. So can you tell me a little bit more about how that one came about? Was it you who came up with that quote or someone who said it to you? Remind me.
1: So this was one of my fabulous therapists along the way. And I used to visit her in San Francisco all the time. And she was a very wise woman. And she said that to me once. We were always discussing men, of course, in my relationships. And she said that a woman gets to choose her man, but only from those who choose her. And that stuck indelibly in my mind. And it's been a guiding principle my whole life. I think it's very true. Relationships are better if the man, if he's a little more ardent than you are.
0: So, Michelle, did you follow that rule throughout your love capades? Well, actually,
1: (laughs) I tried, but I did not when it came to the man I married. I was the more ardent of the two. And in the end, it didn't work. So I think that this principle really is the truism. So number four, I've always been susceptible to the caveman drag you to their cave approach. For me, there is a powerful allure to men who know what they want and are sure they will get it. That's always worked for me. Number five, after Bobby picked me up, my salon hairdo was so askew, or should I say, a screw. (laughs) (laughs) I've always thought that was a funny line. Number six, When the Stanford frat guy, Chet, came to pick me up, my father said, be home by midnight, fat girl.
0: That was an ouch. I mean, that was your dad who you adored saying that to you. How did that really affect you throughout your life? Did it?
1: It did. It was just a moment in time where I wanted to evaporate into the ether. He had a whole string of nicknames for me and he for some reason, chose the most deflating of all of them at this moment where I was with this Stanford fraternity guy. I mean, it was just horrible. It was just horrible. And I never did circle back and ask him whether it was intentional or just a big mistake. And I'll never know. But it was very hurtful.
0: Something you also said, I'm remembering from this wonderful podcast, is that I'm wondering from his perspective, what he was thinking was you were young. Was he trying to protect you and keep you from wanting to go with this guy? I mean, I'm wondering what was going on in his. I, Sally, I have no
1: idea. I've never been able to figure it out. So it just was a very hurtful moment. It affected me. I've thought of it a million times. And it was not my father's best moment. So let's just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, oy vey. Anyway, number seven, forgiveness is a salve for one's own soul. Forgiveness, however, is a damned hard quality to master. And as you know, I have a whole episode on that about my brother. Number eight, it makes me smile from the lips on my face all the way down to the ones below. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Number nine, the pill had become the gold standard of birth control. Using them made me feel like a woman. And that, of course, refers back to my relationship with the Sicilian doctor. My first birth control pills, which he prescribed. Number 10, an abortion never leaves a woman's psyche. And of course, I had two of them, so I know what it feels like. Number 11, Neapolitan Orbs of Deliciousness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just love that one. Tell us a little bit more about where that one came in. Well, as you
1: know, if you've been listening all along to the podcast, food has been an important part of my life. And this particular one refers to the one time I ended up visiting Naples. And of course. I was a student, a young student at the time, so we didn't have any money. Every single meal was a pizza. (laughs) And let's just face it, Naples has created the most popular food item in the entire world, pizza. And it's true. I mean, it came from Naples. And so whenever we would order these pizzas, they invariably would come with anchovies on them. (laughs) So I had to learn very quickly when I ordered my pizzas, to say, Senza Pesce, so forget (laughs) the anchovies. And then just one little fun thing is, What's the matter, Michelle? You don't like a little salty thing? (laughs) Not on my pizza, thank you. One thing that's really interesting is that recently, CNN has started a fabulous food series, which stars Stanley Tucci, the famous actor, and it's called, Stanley Tucci searching for Italy, and he goes to different cities and he investigates the food. And the first one I listened to was in Naples. And of course, he talked about the history of the pizza. It was fascinating. But it also pissed me off because here he is. He's a fine cook himself. He's Italian by heritage. And he eats all the time, and he's skinny as a rascal. So he pisses (laughs) me off. Excuse me.
0: (laughs) I get it. I get it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Neapolitan orbs of deliciousness. It's just reminds me of pizza Naples.
0: It's also just great words. I mean, it really brings you out as a as a word master with your writing and your telling these stories. I just love it. Oh, thank you. So
1: number twelve, where my Italian really got better was between the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that line a million times in my life. And was that the only time? Well, it's, it was important when, because I learned my best Italian with Nicola, between the sheets. But it also is important in the story because fast forward to my last love capade with Jorge, and I did the same thing for him. I improved his English between the sheets. So, I think this is an important quote. Okay, number 13. I was as nervous as a Ferrari driver with a cop on her tail. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I was. And that referred to the night that I first went out with Nicola to dinner in Fiesole, and I was very nervous. So, number 14. The way Nicola whispered bene" in my ear made me feel adored and adorable. It makes me cry to think of it. Such a poignant relationship that was. Number 15. Heart sickness is like withdrawal from a drug. The drug of love. (laughs) And we've all felt that heart sickness.
0: Oh my God, yes. Number 16.
1: Crazy American on a Burning Roof. That was the time that I was in a fire in Fribourg and was headlines in the Geneva newspapers. Oh my God, I almost lost my life on that one. Number 17, their ding-dongs dancing like Mexican jumping beans. <laughs> that was the incident in Playa Blanca with the crazy GOs. Oh my God, I'll never forget that one. Number 18, sexual attraction, while wonderful, is not enough to sustain a committed relationship. Sex can be a drug that blinds you from your highest truth. Other things are needed, such as shared values, common life goals, willingness to compromise, and mutual respect, to name a few. In a word, love. The kind in which your own well-being Isn't more important than that of your beloved. So I would have to say this sort of sums up what I've learned about love. Okay, number 19 on the list. There are two main parts to being a successful couple the passion part and the partnership part. I've observed that it's rare to have both at the same time. Those are the home run marriages. Well,
0: tell me a little bit more about that. I mean,
1: Well, I just think this was something that I learned when I was married to Drake. We had the passion part, but we didn't have the partnership part. What I've observed through the years is that it's really rare to have both of those things simultaneously, and those are the marriages that work. Kudos to those people who have both. I haven't found that yet. 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 I know that's the operative word, yet. So number 20, I transformed it into an enchanting home and garden. It was my safe haven, my woman cave, my dream asylum, And this quote refers to the lovely home that I created in Menlo Park, in which I lived for 35 years. And it truly was a beautiful place to be. So I'm very grateful for that. Number 21. Remember to savor such moments fully in real time, for as lovely as they are to recapture later. The recollections come with a tinge of longing and melancholy for things never to be again. So this just encourages people to really embrace the moment because even looking back on it later, it's never as good. So number 22, what's clear is that I'm at my most free, probably my most bewitching, when I'm on Italian soil, 9,000 miles from the epicenter of false morality and male disillusionment. So it's true that when I was in Italy, I was at my happiest. And I think I was just more free in that environment, free to be me. Number 23, appreciation of women's body types has definite geographical and cultural boundaries. Mine was designed for what is often called the cradle of civilization not the streamlined taste of North Americans. And oh, isn't that true? So 24, I was neither prudish by this time, nor promiscuous, but led by what intrigued me. And let me just say, I was lucky to be an independent woman at a time where we had birth control, and I could choose to be with the men who intrigued me. And I chose a fair number of them. Number 25, adventure requires risk. And I preferred the thrilling to the predictable. And I think you'd have to admit that's sort of been a byline of my life. Number 26, nicknames are those little love labels that signal affection. And I came up with that line in reference to Nicola and Michelle. He was Rospo, and I was Rospaccia. Rospo is toad, and Rospaccia is naughty little toad. (laughs) (laughs) Number 27, I've feared that being solely a baby maker and a pasta maker just wasn't going to be enough for me. That was what I concluded. Marrying an Italian, to me, would have meant being a baby maker and a pasta maker, and that just wasn't going to do it for me. So. You know, I had opportunities and I considered on many occasions what it would be like to be married to an Italian. But this is what kept me from doing it, I think, that fear.
0: Do you think that that would have been true with Nicola also, who was so in love with you? I don't think
1: I'll ever know the answer to that question because I didn't marry him. And I don't know how he would have treated a wife. I didn't get to find the answer to that question. Number 28, when Xander invited me to have an affair with him, my crotch crimped on the spot. I asked myself if I would get brownie points in heaven, or was I just being a fool to say no? Again, I'll never know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) Number 29, if I couldn't me doo I could sure fantasize about it. So during those love lulls in my life, when I wasn't in an active sexual relationship, I sure fantasized about it a lot. And you know what? I still do. (laughs) (laughs) Number 30 is, with all relationships, there is something to learn about love.
0: Boy, is that true. Now, is that your kind of summary of looking back at these love capades? Well, as you
1: know, some of the love capades were divine and delicious, and some were really not. And yet, even in those relationships that were fraught or difficult or disappointing, I learned something about love. So I think it's important for all of us to remember that in every relationship, there is something to learn. And I think I did in every relationship. So moving on to number 31. Shlomo said in a letter, quote, You are everything a man looks for in a woman. Grace, warmth, femininity, sex, button sewing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was such a humdinger of a description. I mean, honestly, this was from a very gifted important man from Israel, and he had a thing for me, and he was trying to woo me. And so he described me, and then he added the button sewing. (laughs) Typical. The domestic part had to be there. Anyway, I thought it was funny. So number 32, this has to do with Michelle's Mrs. Robinson experience. Quote, I can't do this. I'll never be able to look your mother in the face again. (laughs) I remember it to this day vividly. Oh, my God. We were at the moment of getting it completely on, and I just couldn't go through with it. Oh, my. Anyway, 33. The heart wants what the heart wants, no matter what the age. So this, again, is in reference to my Mrs. Robinson experience with Nick. And, you know, he was two decades younger than I, but it didn't matter. He wanted me. His heart wanted me, and that was that. Age aside, didn't matter. Number 34, he had read me and he wanted what he saw. That is the strongest of all aphrodisiacs.
0: It reminds me, Michelle, a little of an earlier quote with the caveman aspect. When they really want you, it's so strong. But I think, tell us a little bit more about the way in which he had read you. Well, this had to do with the banker,
1: Lance, and that was such a powerful attraction. And he got me. And he got all of me. And he wanted it. And that was very compelling. Again, it has to do with that caveman aspect. But it was very beautiful to be understood and desired at the same time.
0: It seems like you almost felt so seen. You know, he really saw you. He did. He saw everything about me. You know,
1: he said, you're beautiful. You're brilliant. You're successful and all these things, he wasn't put off by any of it. It was powerful. It really was. All right, number 35. The morning after Lance didn't accompany me to the dance, I got this call from my father. Doll girl, your mother didn't wake up this morning. Now, that was a double whammy. Lance had wormed off the hook I was very disappointed about that and in the same 24 hours, my mother had died. It was excruciating. Okay, moving ahead. (laughs) Number 36, Bobby's mother on her deathbed told him that Michelle Musi was the best woman he'd ever known and that he should marry her. Well, that was an interesting quote, which he didn't follow through on. So he and I, again, have had this very complicated karmic relationship that has lasted since I was 13 years old. Oh, my. Number 37. We are eternal, and it takes lifetimes for us to travel back to our perfection. Life is, in fact, a journey to the center of ourselves. And this, of course, refers to my spiritual evolution. and. I think that is a very strong theme in the book, how I grew spiritually and came to understand things that I didn't know as a young woman. I cherish those things. So number 38, there was no way he was going to get his trigger cocked or conversely, get his cock triggered. (laughs) (laughs) That quote came out of the experience in Hong Kong. With the rugby blokes, oh my God. Anyway, I won't linger. Number 39, desire is a potent emotion even when it remains unrequited. So I think that speaks for itself. Number 40, in the end, I had chosen to marry my fantasy rather than the reality that clearly had peeked through the blinds all along. Yeah. Well, this was in relation to Drake, right? Right. This had to do with the long courtship and my hanging in there in spite of many signals that it would not be a successful marriage. So I, in the end, chose to marry what I fantasized it would be like, rather than what I realized it would be like.
0: Was it also at the time an urge to get married? Was part of it that you wanted a ring on your finger? because of the pressure of the times?
1: Yeah. When I was growing up, it was a big deal to be an old maid and I didn't want to risk being an old maid. Plus, I really was attracted to him and I wanted it to work. And I'm the type of person who turns lemons into lemonade. And so I was really thinking, okay, I can make this work. But in reality, I couldn't because I couldn't change who he was. All righty. Number 41. To love another person is to see the face of God. And that is not something I can take credit for. That was a quote from Les Miserables. But I think it's a beautiful quote. To love another person is to see the face of God. Number 42, you are the ideal woman for all Egyptian men. Anyone would gladly pay 1,000 camels for you. (laughs) Eat your hearts out, all you skinny bitches. Here it was, I'd had a life of being on the plump side. And when I got to Egypt, I became the ideal standard of beauty. And I swear to God, this tailor who had made calabayos for me, he says to me, you are the ideal woman for all (laughs) Egyptian men. Anyone would gladly pay a thousand camels for you. Oh my God. I died and went to heaven when I heard that.
0: But it also really reflects back to like your dad calling you the fat girl and all these negative impressions you had about your body. And here they're honoring you for it. I just love it. It's exactly.
1: Oh my God. You can imagine how happy I was to hear that. Not that I stayed in Egypt or anything, but it was lovely to know that in some parts of the world, my body type was revered. Okay. Number 43 A real love story never ends, it has the power to make you laugh. Swoon, cry, pout, and ponder long after its story has waned. And isn't that the truth? Revisiting all of these love capades has made them come alive again. And it's been a total trip. It's been fabulous. Okay, number 44. We're getting close to the end here. I could count on myself, but could I count on the support of a boyfriend when pregnant, a husband afraid of commitment, an Israeli soldier who turned wicked after masquerading as my lover? Huh, no, I couldn't count on any of them. Number 45, in reaction to Yossi and the orgy scene, I was in a shell-shock state, doing whatever I could to block out the nightmare of the devil versus the diva. And we all remember what a dramatic story that was. Number 46. Perhaps Presbyterians don't have as much guilt baked into their theology as their Catholic cousins. But the same Ten Commandments scream just as loudly. That referred to Lance, the banker who was also very Catholic, went to Notre Dame. 47. 47. Why don't you let me do that?
0: (laughs) I remember that.
1: (laughs) That is a classic. That line started my love affair with the fairy tale gardener. Why don't you let me do that? I'll never forget it. 48. It is so important to trust the wisdom of your psyche. And I've learned that lesson over and over and over. Listen to what your inner knowing is telling you and act on it. You get in trouble if you don't. Number 49, let us be grateful to people who make us happy. They are the charming gardeners who make our souls blossom. So beautiful. And again, I can't take credit for that. It's Marcel Proust who said that. But it's so apropos of my relationship with Jorge. Okay, number 50, se ancora robusta. This was one of the questions that Nicola asked when I found him in 2008 and we spoke on the phone. He said to me, se ancora robusta. And that (laughs) is a word that nobody had ever used to describe me. And if you look it up in a thesaurus, it says powerful, prosperous, vigorous, able-bodied, full-bodied, in good shape, in the pink, lusty, even wicked. And it flabbergasted me because in one word, he had captured me. And this was 40 some years after we had been together. It was just astonishing.
0: I would still swoon for him.
1: Uh, Absolutely. But when I looked at the word up in the dictionary, I was flummoxed, couldn't believe it. It completely describes me. Okay, just a few more here. Number 51, isn't that the way with love? It defines us, it describes us, it propels us forward and it stops us dead in our tracks. It makes our world spin on its axis. That's pretty powerful stuff. Number 52, What I've learned is that to attract love, we have to love ourselves first. And isn't that the truth? And that's the challenge, to love yourself first. Number 53, you will not receive love by begging for it, but by being it. That's another humdinger. These are the lessons I've learned after a life of working at it. And finally, number 54, The guru perceives your perfection, even if you still live in your imperfection, and it is the most exhilarating, inspiring, healing, hopeful experience one can imagine.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about that one? Because what I love about the arc of your story in these love capades is that your understanding of love was not always in the physical realm with somebody you really entered a spiritual journey as well. So doesn't this capture that side of it for you too? It
1: definitely does. And I had uh, many years that I spent visiting the guru in the Casco Mountains and the ashram there. I traveled around the world to be with her at various times. And my experience of her is truly extraordinary. And she embodied love. She was love. And the thing that was amazing is that all of her devotees were not as enlightened as she was, but she perceived each one of us as already perfect. I can't tell you it's the most extraordinary experience of love I've ever had. And I'm so grateful that I've had that experience. So anyway, that's my list of quotes.
0: We had to pare it down from about 150. What I love about these quotes is that, so yes, they are extraordinary little sayings that remind us of the stories you've shared with us, but some of your words just crack me up. I repeat them to myself, you know, crimp in the crotch. And the double entendres, some of them are just hilarious. And they're not all hilarious. They're deeply moving. They really capture the tonal changes that you presented to us in these stories. So now, can you share with us some of your favorite Love Capades? Oh,
1: well, why not, Sally? I was intending to have my top 10 Love Capade experiences, but I couldn't pare it down to 10, so there are a few more. So I'm just going to list them because hopefully the listeners have heard these stories, and so I'm just going to highlight the ones that made the biggest impression on me, should we say. My relationship with Bobby is the first one that started when I was in high school, and in some form or other, is still going on. So that's obviously a big one. The second most important, of course, is Nicola, my Sicilian doctor lover. And it was probably my favorite love affair in many ways. And I was 22 at the time, and it's still alive. And I have to say, I don't think we've shared this yet, that I actually found him last year. And we had a very titillating email exchange Mm. so that is another relationship that started when I was 22 and is still
0: ongoing so crazy
1: it's crazy isn't it so the next one was Sandro my Roman lover the one with the beach house in Ostia and the Porsche and the crooked weenie (laughs) (laughs) the next one was Xander my first younger man the basketball player from Stanford, who was utterly delicious. And then he wanted to have a redo seven years into his marriage. And because of my religious beliefs at the time, I said, no, Hmm. that will find its way onto my do-over list. Okay, the next one on the hit parade is Drake, the flake, (laughs) the man I married. Oh, my God. What a saga that was. And yet, even from that difficult situation, something wonderful came out of that relationship. And that is the legacy. He left me to become a real estate agent, which was an amazing thing in my life. So thank you, Drake, for that. All right, next is Armando. Now, Armando was the baron from Florence. Shortly after I got divorced, I went back to Italy with the Stanford group and met this swoonable guy. And that was a very fun love capade that I have on my list. All right. And following that was the Yossi, the Israeli army general. And again, what a story. What a story. I mean, honest to goodness, unbelievable. But he had to be on the top list because it was so important, so poignant so intense.
0: And kind of scary. So
1: terrifying. Yeah, very scary. So next I have Nick, who is the young son of my friend. That was the Mrs. Robinson experience and something that I think of and adore. It was so enchanting. And after Nick on the list is Lance, and this was the banker. And again, that was one of the top three love affairs of my life. And it had its wonderful moments, and it's not so wonderful moments, but it has to be on the list. After Lance comes Carl of the Castle. This was the German who had a castle in County Meath, Ireland, and I met him playing croquet. And that was a very special relationship to me because even though we didn't spend a long time together, he knew how to take care of me in a beautiful way. And he was so elegant. So I loved that experience. Next on the list, I put my brother Victor. Because, again, that was an extremely important relationship. It wasn't a love affair. But our relationship taught me such an extraordinarily important lesson. And that is the wisdom of forgiveness. So I had to put him on the list. And the next item I have is really not a love affair. But it was... The two cosmic kisses that happened to me in Australia. (laughs) And they were both extraordinary moments in time. And I will never forget those kisses, being a kiss lover. And then I put (laughs) another funny little one on the list. That was the German race driver that I met. I actually didn't meet him, but I saw him across the restaurant in Milan. And I boldly sent a little card over as I left the restaurant. And he called me. I've always thought that was so delicious. So delicious, even though I never met him. Okay, and then the next one on my list, of course, is my beloved Guru Mai, Jivala Sananda. That relationship has got to be up there at the very top. Again, not a physical love affair, but a spiritual love affair. Next is my Egyptologist mystical lover, Emil that I met in Egypt, and that was again, not a physical manifestation of love, but a mystical one. Then I have had to put on the list my poodle named Shakti. Shakti. That dog was the most amazing creature of all time, and she was in my life for 15 years, and again, embodied unconditional love. And how often does one experience that? And lastly, of course, is Jorge, the fairy tale gardener. And I find this to be the most inextricably delicious, unexpected, fabulous affair. Never could have predicted this one, but it meant so much. So that's my list. It was really 17 instead of 10. <laughs>
0: Those are my favorites. Yes, they all stood out. It's hard to narrow it down. I know, Michelle. Well, this has certainly been a wild ride along your journey of love, hasn't it been? So Michelle, but I'm just wondering though, do you have any regrets along the love trail? Any regrets at all? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes, Sally, it's funny you should ask that question because upon reflection, there are a few things that I wish I had done differently. Okay, so there are six on the list, and I'll go through them quickly. But I call them my do-over wishes. So number one was Jim Marler, my friend in Stanford in Italy, who sat next to me in Italian class, and he's the guy I should have been considering marriage, and I was not paying attention to him. I was paying attention to the Italians, but he is still my friend, and lately. He's married to a second wife very happily. She's a wonderful woman. But he and I have become really close friends again all of these years later. So he would be a do-over for sure. Number two on that list is Xander, the basketball player. Why didn't I take him up on his offer for an affair? I wish I had. (laughs) The next one on the list is a kind of a surprise, and that was the time that I was having this ping-pong civil war with the Biafran prince at Bechtel International Center at Stanford. He wanted to sleep with me, and I wasn't having any of it. And when I think back on it, I wasn't enlightened enough to take him up on it, but I wish I had. <laughs> next on the list is Armando de That was the baron, the wine baron in Tuscany, in Florence. When he invited me the very first night to go with him to his sailboat in Lucca, I said, no, what a nincompoop. (laughs) If I had it to do over again, I would have said yes. But luckily it did have an afterlife, but I still don't know why I didn't say yes. Next on the do-over list, the adorable David at Club Med. When I went to Club Med, for Easter week with my friend Gretchen. That's where the crazy Geos acted up. There was this handsome young guy from New York who wanted me badly, chased me all over the campus. And I said no because I was holding out for Drake the Flake. Right. Anyway, that was something I wish I'd done differently. And lastly, the gorgeous Stuart Saunders in Binalong the doctor with the car museum. He wanted to have an affair with me. And I said, no, why was I such a good girl? Well, let me just say in retrospect, this is what I have to say about these six things. Our Victorian mores, our Puritan mores in America and our Christian constraints, whatever, in some ways it's a little bit of hogwash because I wish at this point, I wish I'd gone for those opportunities.
0: Am I crazy, Sally? I don't know. I mean, going back to the moment when these wish-you-could-do-over were actually occurring, I feel like there were some real good reasons at the time that you chose not to. Your own inner morals around, some of them were married, weren't they? I mean, is that, wasn't that a part of it? I guess my real question is, if you went back in time, would you really have made a different decision or the same one? You know,
1: I think it's a great question. To be very honest, the situations where I was presented with an invitation by a married man, I think I made the right decision. I demurred. I'm proud of myself for that. The ones where the guy wasn't married and I wasn't married, those I wish I had a different response to. So I think we can leave it that way. I was a good girl. I did the right thing in the cases where the man was married. But for those who weren't married, I wish I had done it slightly differently.
0: I wish you had too. That would have been fun. (laughs) Right. Better, some more Love Capades. Exactly. So for all of you, this does mark the end of our Love Capades podcast, but it also marks the beginning of a whole new possibility. Michelle and I have a wonderful idea on how to continue. So, so much of the feedback that we've received from you listeners is how Michelle's stories have triggered memories of your own love capades. My own sister, who is 10 years older than me, so never really told me any of her love stories. She listened to this, and she shared with her friends who are also her age, and she came back with some stories to me that I have never heard. It makes me almost embarrassed that my sister told me them, (laughs) but this freed her to tell these stories and it's freeing her prudish friends as well so wouldn't you just love to come on air and share your own stories doesn't that sound intriguing well and
1: sally your sister is a sex therapist of all things and she wants to share a story
0: she is i forgot to mention i forgot to mention that's i know i
1: love that part of it So I hope that our listeners are intrigued and that their interest is piqued in sharing their own Love Capades stories with us on a future possible podcast. So let us know, listeners, if you're interested in sharing your story with us by emailing me at Michelle at LoveCapades.com. And that is spelled M I C H E. E-L-E at L-O-V-E-C-A-P-A-D-E-S dot com. And we really hope you will join us for this next phase of the podcast.
0: So let us know. Email me. So it's just a little goodbye for now, but hopefully not forever. Remember, love is in the air. Love is
1: in the air. Thank you, listeners. It's been a joyful ride, and I hope it continues be well. And bye for now. Bye
0: for now. But it's been such a wonderful honor, Michelle, for me to work with you on this. And I also want to thank our producers at Studio Pod Media. Julian and TJ, you've been wonderful. And Michelle, it's been so much fun.
1: I know, Sally. It's been the experience of a lifetime, I have to say, sharing my stories in the memoir and the podcast and doing it with you. You've been a fabulous (laughs) co-conspirator. So maybe there's more in the future. Who knows? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Love Capades podcast. If you'd like to submit questions, please send them to michelle at lovecapades.com. And that's spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-E at L-O-V-E-C-A-P-A-D-E-S dot com. Also check out our Facebook page and website, both called Love Capades, for fun facts and groovy visual stuff. I am the author, Michelle Musi, and my co-host is Sally Kaplan. The Love Capades podcast is skillfully and playfully produced by Studio Pod Media. You can find them at studiopodsf.com.